0: frequency of heaven i wanna be hello and welcome to the frequency of heaven podcast i'm so glad that you're tuning in today this is monday and uh, we are here at stony point christian church recording this and uh, just praying it'd be a blessing to you an encouragement to you and that's the goal of this podcast. It's like to uh, encourage you in the word. My heart is to get on <laughs> the frequency of heaven. And, and I just pray. I start. I said, Lord, show me what your people need today. But I also, part of my goal is you as believers in Jesus, you could begin to break out the Bible. And you could get on that frequency if you're not already doing that. Lord, show me what you want to teach me today take me to the passages and uh, listen and write things down and let the lord bless you today was very clear i really felt like the lord wanted me to talk on uh, a powerful 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 verse from the old testament and it's an interesting verse because this book has little minor prophet called zephaniah if you read the whole book it's it's uh, a lot of disciplining and uh, rebuking of the Lord but you get to the end of it and he's talking about his remnant he's talking about his people and and I'm going to try to put it all in context here in a little bit but let's just read this verse a very very popular verse you'll see lots of plaques at the Christian bookstore with this and in banners and things Zephaniah 317 the Lord is Your God is with you. Isn't that encouraging? (laughs) He's mighty to save. No matter what you're going through, he's bigger. He will take great delight in you. I want to really focus in on that. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. I, I don't know that I can find a more positive, uplifting passage of Scripture in the entire Bible. I mean, this is awesome now I want to once you think about that line he will take <laughs> great delight in you have you ever felt like I know God loves me he sent Jesus to die on the cross from for me I feel and I know that he loves me at least I know that he loves me but I'm not sure he likes me I feel the Holy Ghost right now <laughs> somebody needs this today you, you know may, maybe you had a very critical point Parent or a critical coach or a critical teacher and they said things to you and they hurt you and, and like when you look in the spiritual mirror or maybe when you look into an actual mirror, you don't like what you see. and you have this this cloud over your head, over your heart. God doesn't like you. I know he loves me. And he died on a cross to save me because God is love. And he had to love me, you know, because that's who he is. But, you know, if I were to meet Jesus, I don't know. You know, he would probably, you know, not pick me to be one of his disciples. He probably. But you remember I taught a few weeks back on how in the New Testament, the Lord and his disciples use the word beloved. We are his beloved. This is kind of going back to that theme. He delights in you, folks he enjoys you he likes you he gave you your sense of humor and i've even had times in my life where there was a particular thing i didn't like about myself i remember one time i was working out and i was working out because i felt like i am so out of shape I, my pants don't fit <laughs> my shirts don't fit <laughs> and i i was in a gym and i you know cuz there's mirrors everywhere and i had some dumbbells i think i was doing dumbbell squats and I just watching myself and my tummy <laughs> hanging out there. <laughs> Sorry if I'm giving you too many mental images here. i just remembering this story. And I just remember a whisper of the Spirit, Caleb. I like you, just how you are. And somewhere we get in our minds. Uh, and I know it's the devil it's the world it's it's the critical negative things that we're around that we're not good enough I mean at the core of who we are there's this lie that we're not good enough and you know we we don't like things about ourselves and then we project that on God like how could God love me how could God like me and I don't even like myself but he's not like us he's beyond us he's bigger than us and, um, you know, this verse says he's with us, he's mighty, he's safe. He takes delight in us. He, he likes us. You know, Jesus didn't just call these 12 disciples because he had to. You know, he could have came with any other strategy. He wanted to invest deeply into those guys, knowing one of them would betray him. <laughs> but he poured his life into him. He hung out. He, he camped with them for three years. He taught them and he poured into them. And I'll bet you it says in, in Hebrews 1.9 that Jesus had more joy than all of his companions. Uh, he, he probably laughed and smiled with those guys more than we could ever imagine. So when we read this verse, let's, let's put this in context. And, and the thing I, I kept thinking about as I was preparing this and, and, and studying, what does it mean he sings over me? I want to talk about that so the context of this story is very simple this was written to uh, the nation of judah they're in sin it was written about 640 years we believe before jesus was born and the first few chapters god is saying you know you guys through the prophet uh, zephaniah god is saying you guys have sinned i've given you warnings you've rebelled you're not listening and punishment is coming and you know sometimes as a parent we get angry and we're going to punish because you know there's like a little part of us like we they deserve this there's almost this revenge mentality but i want you to look at zephaniah 3 here uh verse 9 actually verse 8 it says therefore wait for me declares the lord For the day I will stand up to testify. I've decided to assemble the nations, to gather the kingdoms, and to pour out my wrath on them. All my fierce anger. He's warned them. He's taught them. And they have not sinned. And so when you read all this stuff, you're like, how do we end up at verse 17 that he delights in us? Okay, let's let's get there. We'll show you how we get there. And then he says at the end of this verse, I think this is very, very important for us to understand. There's two types of discipline. There's a discipline from a loving parent and there's a discipline from a mean, harsh, revenge-filled authority figure. Because at the end of verse 8, the scripture says, The whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. Now, this is important because jealousy, you know, I mean, if, if I saw some guy hitting on Melanie... That would be a righteous jealousy, you know, like she's my wife, she's my bride, and there's not supposed to be some guy lingering around her, flirting with her. <laughs> That'd be a, that would be a, a, a holy jealousy. God felt that way toward his people. When they would flirt with the false gods and the, the uh, impure nations, and they would worship uh, Baal and these other gods, they were supposed to be loyal. They were supposed to be loyal to him. He felt a holy jealousy because he refers to Israel as his bride. Well, you go to the New Testament, what's the church called? The bride of Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, verse two. Paul says, I, to the church, I have betrothed you to Jesus. And of course, we read Revelation 19. Jesus is coming back for his bride. So if you could see From the father's perspective, he's bringing discipline on his people, not because he hates them, not because he's wanting to push them away forever, but he is in righteous, holy anger. His people have fallen away into sin, and it's personal. It hurts him. But when you read this, his goal in punishment is not to get revenge. It's not to annihilate It's ultimately to clean his bride, Israel, so he can have them back. How do I know that? Well, let's read the next verse. Then I will purify the lips of the people that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. God wants companionship, but he's holy. And he's righteous and he's given these people his Ten Commandments and all the other commandments. He's given them the prophets. And, you know, God cannot fellowship with darkness. And so he he has made a way through the Old Testament sacrificial system for these people to have a relationship with him. He's made a way for us through the blood of Jesus to have a relationship with him. But at times, just like with your kids, think about you're going to go to Disney World and you've told your son, your daughter, we're going to Disney World next week. We're going to have an awesome time. But you begin to see the spirit of rebellion in one of your kids. And they're they're complaining about everything. They're very argumentative and and they uh, won't clean their room and they've not just ignoring what you say, they're starting to become defiant. In fact, you've even in these passages, it's almost like Israel was doing the exact opposite of what god told him just to tick him off now we've probably all seen that a little bit maybe not but a lot of us have seen that in our children at times they get a spirit it's like a spirit of rebellion is on them are you going to have a good time at disney world if that's not taken care of no so how do you have a good time at disney world the bible says parents do not (laughs) withhold discipline from your child don't spoil them and God doesn't raise spoiled children. And the Lord shows us through the Book of Proverbs and other places it is proper at different times to use discipline, correction, to help children. Have you ever done this? I've had this happen several times when my kids were little, where I could see rebellion on their heart, and mind, and, and pride, and I I don't need to listen to my parents. And but they said they said if I did this, this would happen, and I'm doing okay, you know. And I had to bring firm swift, quick discipline. And it wasn't fun. There was tears. But within an hour or two, sometimes it took a day. They were completely different. There was respect was restored. Love was restored. And I've had this happen, especially when they were little. An hour after they got a swat on their bottom, they wanted to cuddle with me. They wanted to be held by me. And like, and then I read in a parenting book that this is a very normal thing. It cleanses the conscience. Psychologically speaking, it it can, discipline can cleanse the conscience because when you're living in rebellion like that, there's a little part of you that has guilt. There's a little part of you that has shame. There's a little part of you that knows you deserve discipline, but listen, God's discipline that comes is not to push you away forever. It's not to hurt you. It's not to scar you. It's so he can take you to Disney World and have a really good time. He wants to remove rebellion from our lives so that we can sit up there in his lap and just worship and be with him. Now, this passage is I, I spent lot of time trying to figure this out because he's going to talk about the remnant. Now, some of the people and that. OK, can you imagine? The nation's been sinning as a whole. Doesn't mean every single soul was sinning, but some of the people were sinning. Babylon's gonna come in and take over this nation and it's violent and it's bloody and it's war and they are taken captive. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taken captive into Babylon. Were all those people wicked and evil? No. You know, sometimes two or three kids in the class are making a big scene and everybody's got to put their head down. Did everybody who has to put their head down, were they talking? Oh, sometimes even good kids. And so when we read from here on in the passage, and he's talking about the remnant, the, the remnant represents people who are faithful. Now, you know, when Babylon came in and took those people off into captivity, there's probably three groups of people. They're the wicked people who are never going to repent, no matter what discipline God brings in their life. But then there's that middle group. They're kind of lukewarm. They have one foot in the world, one foot in their faith. And they, they're they one person at worship, and they're another person um, throughout the week. They're kind of lukewarm. We might even say lukewarm Christians. And when God brings his discipline into their lives, some of them are going to shape it up, and they're going to get right with God because they know what they need to do. And then, but there are those as Babylon came in and sacked Jerusalem, took them off captivity, there were the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There were the the uh, Daniels. They were really innocent. They just got punished because everybody else was being punished. But when we see this word remnant show up in verse 13, we're talking about those who were kind of lukewarm that decided to repent and get right with God. And, and they really let the discipline do its work. They let them The discipline cleansed them from their rebellion. They're turning. They're being respectful. They want to be God's bride again, you know, and the, the bride of Israel to God again. And then you have the people like Daniel, those who were probably faithful the whole time. But there's a remnant. God has brought discipline so he can separate out. Here's my remnant, my faithful few that are going to worship me. And here's those who didn't, okay? So let's keep reading here as the Lord is going to kind of separate out these two different groups. Verse 10 says, From beyond the rivers of Cush, that is about as far away as you could get, my worshipers, my scattered people will bring. So people from the furthest places are going to come back, the remnant. They're going to come back after the discipline. And whether they were the lukewarm folks or maybe they were innocent the whole time and never sinned, but they're going to bring me offerings. On that day, you will not be, be put to shame for all the wrongdoings you have done to me because I will remove from this city those who rejoice in their pride. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill. Now verse 12 is helpful because verse 17 is our verse. It says he takes delight in us and he sings over us with rejoicing. Who? Who does God take delight in? Who does God rejoice in? Because if you read chapters one and two in the first part of three, God's angry. You can tell he doesn't delight and sing over everybody. So who is he delighting in and singing over? Well, I think verse 12 is probably the best answer. But I will leave within you the meek, the humble, and those who trust in the name of the Lord. Now, how are we meek and humble? Only by Jesus None of us are perfect (laughs) when we are sinners redeemed by his grace. So we're not talking about those who are perfect Christians and those, but those who we are making an attempt to turn our lives in the general tenor of our heart to trust him and to be humble and to let him, if he needs to discipline us, okay, we accept it. We accept the discipline. We turn back to him. Look at verse 13. There's our word remnant. The remnant, those faithful few Uh, that are left over the remnant of israel will do no wrong they'll speak no lies nor will deceit be found in their mouths we're getting to this incredible verse 17 we're building up showing the context so it all makes sense they will not eat or lie down and no one will make them afraid now watch this no no i want you to really see this word because he says this and this is part of the way i feel like god was showing me what does it mean that he sings over us In verse 17, well, verse 14 says, Sing, O daughter Zion. So from here on in the passage, I kind of want you to think of the father a child relationship because he refers to Israel not as his bride anymore with the jealousy theme. Now he's shifted to a theme of father, daughter, daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Again, use the word daughter. So to understand verse 17, we need to get a picture of the father's heart. There's a father in heaven who delights in you. He likes to watch you play softball. He was there when you first rode your bike. He was there when you hit your first home run. He, he delights in you. And he's not as interested at the scoreboard at the end of the game. You're going to go out for ice cream either way because he delights in you. He sees things in you you don't even see in yourself. Verse 15, the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm on the day that... They will say to you, Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. Now, here's our verse. The Lord God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will de- take great delight in you. He will uh, quiet you with his love. You know, bring peace to your heart. He will rejoice over you with singing. And then begins to talk about uh, appointed feast and different things. But let's let's ask this. Have you ever experienced this verse, the father singing over you? Let me tell you one one story, where I felt like this verse came alive to me. I was doing some work with my dad at a rental property they have down in Missouri, and again, you kind of see a father child theme here. And uh, this is this is a little bit different, uh, but it's it's a I think it grasped a little bit of the concept. My dad and I was tiling. My dad was doing plumbing, and we were actually within five feet of each other, but there was a wall there, and we couldn't see each other. But there's you know, we, I, we could clearly hear one another. And um, he had got, listen, he'd been listening to Christian radio, and he got a song in his head, and he, he just kept singing, but the radio was off now, so he's just singing almost like like while he's working kind of subconsciously like he's singing. I'm not really sure that he's thinking a ton about what he's singing, but he's just singing. But it was a beautiful, beautiful line to a Christian song. And I am sitting there tiling in the bathroom, (laughs) doing ceramic tile for a custom shower. And I'm just like, you know, I felt like the Holy Spirit had given my dad that particular line. And I don't think I'll ever forget this moment because I needed to hear that. particular. My father was singing and I, he he wasn't intentionally singing over me, but the Holy Spirit may have been prompting him to do that because the Holy Spirit knew what I needed to hear that day. And there was singing, you know, sometimes you could turn on a Christian radio and you hear a song and it's just that perfect singing that you needed over your life, but So so this is kind of an illustration, but I want to go to Psalm 45 because there's a particular place. There's a lot of songs and psalms and people singing in Scripture. Is there ever a place in Scripture where God is shown singing over his daughter? Aha, yes, there is. So when I read that he delights in me and he sings over me, what if I could find a passage of Scripture... Where God, like, what what is he singing over? Like, what is God singing over me? Wouldn't it be cool to know the song? Like right now, if the the Father in heaven is singing over you, wouldn't it be cool to know what he's singing? And I can't perfectly tell you what the Father's singing over you right now to encourage you, to let you know he delights in you, to to build you up, to let you know that you're strong, you're beautiful, you are his. But there is a passage in Psalm 45, where God sings over daughter Israel. And he sings on specific themes. And I can't help but think as I read through this Psalm 45, because it's the father singing over daughter Israel, and that's exactly what Zephaniah says. He keeps saying, daughter, I sing over you with rejoicing, that maybe some of these exact themes of Psalm 45 are the things the Lord might be singing over you throughout the day. So let's look at this if you read psalm 45 it's a it's actually a wedding song and it's a song written for a wedding but in verse 10 there's a shift in who's talking and uh the the father is singing over the the daughter the singing over those about to get married so men you can apply this to yourself as you know um someone about to get married on a special day this is what the father is thinking about you listen O daughter consider and give ear forget your people, and your father's house. So the thing he's singing here is make God everything. Forget your father's house and run. You know, make God everything. The king is enthralled by your beauty. Do you know, I've noticed with my kids, I actually read this in a parenting book once, and then I noticed it, I guess. Many times we don't notice what we're good at. We don't notice our beauty. You remember the old song? She don't know she's beautiful. <laughs> I think it's an old country song. A lot of times we don't notice where we're beautiful. We don't notice where we're strong. We don't notice what we're good at. If someone doesn't speak it over us and maybe sing it over us. My son, for example, you know, he he's told me before at, at times he just, you know, he's not good at anything. He doesn't. My son is brilliant. And uh, I, there's so many things my oldest son, Javen, has said and done. I was just blown away. But, you know, he is taking these strategy board games that there's so many details in the instructor i i can't even fathom and i i go and i read them. i i don't have the attention span i don't have the intelligence i don't have the attention to detail and he will sit there for if it takes him a couple hours and he will figure out I don't, Axis and allies is one of the games they play, and it's just, there's so many rules I just can't do what The game takes about though the global edition can take up to 12 hours to play, and I just I'm so impressed by his attention to detail. But he 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 has strength and beauty in him, but he doesn't he doesn't even see it or recognize it. That's where the father comes in and praises and sings and rejoices over the beauty that he sees. Look at verse uh, 12, the daughters of Tyre will come with a gift. Men of wealth will seek your favor. Do you know, as he's singing this, as the father singing over his daughter about to be married, he is singing, there's going to be people that bless you. There's going to be people that I help bring into your life to bless uh, Give you wealth to give favor, open doors, jobs, opportunities. The father is singing this and prophesying it, and he's going to see that it's going to happen. All glorious is the prince within her chambers. Her princess, her gown is interwoven with gold. I read gold, and I think, you know, does the father ever sing over us about the gold of the streets of heaven. (laughs) I read gold and I just think of the heavenly streets that he would sing over us because one day we're going to be with him on the streets of gold. Look at verse 14. In embroidered garments, she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her and are brought to you. Do you know that there are places of honor? There are places uh, other people can't get into. And here the father is singing about the presence of the king Well we we get to be in the presence of the King, the King of Kings, the blood of Jesus has made it possible, the curtain on the temple is torn. We get to be in the presence. He's singing over her about how favored and how the opportunities have been made for her to be in royalty. Do you see yourself? First Peter two nine? It says if you're a Christian, you are royal. You're part of a royal bloodline in Jesus and he is singing royalty stuff over her. Verse 15, they are led in with joy and gladness. They enter the palace of the king. Do you know, I really think, and this is what was going on as I was tiling. I honestly think the my dad, he was just singing a joyful song, a happy song. I could feel joy and peace as he kept singing that and it was the same line over because he had the chorus stuck in his head you know you have a father in heaven who wants to sing a joyful tune and bring joy to your heart that's why we got to get on the frequency of heaven and let him let him sing it to us verse 16 your sons will take the place of your fathers you will make them princes throughout the land Do you want to see good things for your children? This is what he's singing. And the father here, this is God singing over uh, his nation, Israel. He's singing blessing over the family. Do you think he delights in you? If you're a parent, what's the most important thing to you? Your kids. This passage is showing that the father knows that. Your father knows your kids are like the most important thing to you, and he is singing prosperity, blessing, and favor for your family. He is singing that over the nation of Israel. I can't help but think that when he's rejoicing over us with singing in Zephaniah 3.17, he might be singing something just like this last verse. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations therefore the nations will praise you forever and ever now maybe you're thinking about how you'll be remembered when you'll die maybe you've never even thought about that but for the nation of israel they thought about that a lot how are they going to be remembered he is singing hey in in this song in this wedding song the father is saying i am going to make sure you are well remembered i'm strategically going to put things in place that your memory through all generations you're going to be praised and remembered well god wants to do that in your life and he sings these kind of things now what is god singing over you today i don't know psalm 45 shows us the type of things that he's saying over israel so we can conclude he's the same yesterday today and forever he sings these kind of things over his people God wants to bless you. God wants to keep you. He wants to sing over you. So the next time you get a song stuck in your head and you keep singing it or you keep hearing that particular song on the radio over and over and it encourages you, is that coincidence or did the father do that? Is that the father singing over you? awesome 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 have a have an incredible week beloved know that he delights in you know that he is singing over you and uh, i just let's just pray father i ask right now you would help us to see what you see when you look at us what do you see when you look at us prove to us and show to us and break the lie that you don't like us. You do like us. You're crazy about us and you love us. You're a good, good father. You take delight in us and you rejoice over us with singing. Just cement this message into the heart of every listener. And I pray they could take this message to somebody else who needs encouragement. God bless you and keep you in Jesus' mighty name, beloved. On the frequency of heaven, I wanna be on the frequency.